Welcome to How We Got There. I am your host, Mike Davis, founder of Go-To-Market Guides. I interview thought leaders and founders in the Salesforce ecosystem to help ISVs learn new techniques to try and mistakes to avoid. This episode of How We Got There is brought to you by Epiphany. Epiphany is a leading product development outsourcer that has been helping app exchange partners architect, develop, and get their apps through the Salesforce security review since 2009. Epiphany is the only PDO funded by Salesforce Ventures, and its customers include Stripe, Slack, LinkedIn, DocuSign, and even Salesforce themselves. Visit epiphany.com, that's A-P-P-I-P-H-O-N-Y.com to learn more about how Epiphany can help your organization successfully launch your app on the Salesforce App Exchange today. All right, I am here with Ryan Hitchler, who is the founder and CEO of Centro. Ryan, welcome to the pod. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. So to kick us off, uh, tell us a little bit about how you got your way into the Salesforce ecosystem. Sure. So really started out in this uh, company called Serum Culture. It was a SI partner for a different Serum called Pivotal. And long story short, it was an SI business tied with some product business for this kind of on-premise CRM platform. And in 2012, we ended up selling the product we built out for Pivotal to Pivotal. And the CEO said, we're going to pivot our consulting business 100% to Salesforce. And with that, I suggested, well, why don't we take some of the learnings we had from our productivity pack, the product we sold to Pivotal, and apply them to the Salesforce ecosystem. So did some research, did some concepts, did some customer interviews, and launched a product called Action Grid, which was a sort of list view replacement or advanced list view sort of tool for the Salesforce platform. And caught the attention of Conga, and we sold to Conga the, the consulting business and Action Grid in 2016, and sort of spent time as the head of engineering at Conga from 2016 to 2020. And kind of continued that endeavor through now the Slack platform. So happy to talk more about the the Centro idea and um, and how we got to Centro. But that's really how we got into this ecosystem. So Action Grid primarily from a product perspective, and learned a lot through how to launch a product, go to market at the small scale, and then the larger scale at Conga. Yeah, so that's interesting. You you made the leap from services to product, which is it's a different type of business. So then you obviously Conga made a great career there. But tell me, yeah, tell me a little bit more about the genesis and what Centro does, how it helps. Yeah, so you know at Conga we switched. We had multiple chat platforms we were using, and we consolidated on Slack. I think in 2017, and it was great. We got we got it seemed like we were communicating more effectively. We were chatting more effectively. We, we were taking action items. Everything was just going more smoothly on Slack than, say, email or walking across the office. And one thing I started to notice, there might be multiple topics through the course of a deal. And oftentimes, there was multiple channels associated with that and really wanted to think about how that could be better. And so really wanted to pursue that. Left Conga shortly after the acquisition to Aptis and explored this idea of building a unique connector between Salesforce and Slack, organizing the channels on the Salesforce side so that you can go into a record and discover where the conversations are happening, but then have a lot of actions and 
um, abilities on the Slack side to update Salesforce, create new records, that sort of thing. And so that, that was really the genesis. And then <laughs> I guess a very uh, validating or scary thing happened um, later that year in 2020 when Salesforce announced the acquisition of Slack. So either we were on the right track, but also that kind of looming thought of, well, will they build all this? And so, yeah, hopefully that, <laughs> that explains how we got to uh, the idea of Centrum. Yeah, I think the multi-billion dollar acquisition <laughs> validates your product market fit idea, to yeah. say the least. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun ever since the acquisition. And we've been thinking about it as, okay, well, there'll, there'll certainly be things that Salesforce and Slack will do and they won't do with the, the combined product offering, just like any other ISV tries to solve for in the Salesforce platform. So we do believe we have a good foothold in, in this space and been having a ton of fun helping out customers. Nice. Yeah. So I guess to kick us off, what's been the best program that that you've ever created or have been a part of? Yeah. So I'll use a central example. And this one really excites me. Um, we, early on, every because we're a, we're a Slack first kind of company, um, we don't do Teams. We just focus on Salesforce and Slack means that all of our customers inherently will have Slack. And we've been doing what they call Slack Connect, which is connecting a single channel between two workspaces. And I've made a habit of every single prospect, partner, customer of creating a Slack Connect channel. And not everyone does, but most do. And that's been a huge boon to our business. We had a, 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 a guy named Tim Schultz join our team a couple months ago. And he's been really running with the Slack Connect paradigm, and his win rate is over sixty-six percent when we have a Slack Connect channel with a with a prospect. So that, as a program, has been just fabulous to watch and see evolve. So having a ton of fun. That's a nice little win rate, I guess. Uh, just to follow up on that, like, what type of communication is happening? and Slack versus email or anything else, I guess, give folks a flavor for what that looks like on the pre side. Sure. So, you know, it can it, oftentimes we do a demo and there can be follow-up questions about how something they saw in the demo that they want to implement themselves, or they saw some use case that um, they saw on our website or invented and, and want to know how to do, how to implement that. So we're there to help them craft that, create little clips and videos in Slack to share and they can go build it. And then, you know, Tim will also share quotes and finish the, the deal through Slack Connect as well. He can DM the buyer directly and um, work through the commercials. So pretty much the entire sales motion we, we do through Slack. And, you know, uh, one, one example in particular, we have an Australian customer, you know, off hours from us and email was kind of hindering our progress because there'd be nuances to the questions, you know, did you mean this? Did you mean that? And what we were able to do is, you know, seven o'clock our time, I'd be on my phone and customer, the prospect would ask, you know, a, a question and I could iterate with that customer really rapidly. And um, they would find a solution in minutes rather than wait for me to wake up the next morning and, and kind of email the solution back and forth. So we closed that deal without even talking to the customer, 100% through Slack Connect. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think the learning for 
ISVs and their sales team is like just trying to open up that line of communication. It's similar to, to the paradigm of five years ago when you would look to get your buyers uh, a cell phone number so you could text them. Uh, similar concept where like email just isn't great when you get to the one yard line. And so having that DM channel open via Slack could be a good equivalent to that. Yeah, it's been huge. It's There's a little less pressure to kind of work through someone's inbox or text messages. And it's really a game changer for us. Nice. More broadly, uh, what are you most proud of from your time in the ecosystem? Yeah. So, you know, I'll again, use another central example. I told you, you know, it kind of made us a little nervous when we heard Salesforce was buying Slack for $27 billion. And I'm proud that we leaned into it and didn't kind of get scared off. And I mean, there was real questions, Mike, if, if we should stay in this space, or should we pivot? We really thought a lot about that and, you know, spent a lot of time researching, talking to the product teams, you know, learning everything we could about the approach. I'm glad we did because, you know, now we have a really solidified product offering that is unique and we, we know it's validated through our customers and Salesforce themselves are coming to us and asking for solutions and helping out their demo flows. So it's been a lot of fun to stick with it and instead of kind of fret away from it. So I guess that's one thing that I would offer is, you know, Salesforce can't do everything and, and we know they won't do everything as, as any good ISV partner knows and just got to find your niche and lean into it. Yeah, I guess just to double click on that, like I more publicly like own backup, like they, they reacted after Salesforce made an announcement at Dreamforce, they're bringing back their own backup services. And so I guess from your own personal experience, and I know there's been a ton of other examples at Congo, we had a, one or two of them when we were there together as well. <laughs> I, take me to that point. Like what, when you say lean in, like, what does that look like and nailing your niche? Like, I guess what advice for founders who have that unfortunate wake up? Yeah, I think there's definitely like, there's always going to be stuff that's similar, right? So so let's take that own backup example, or even Conga. I'll, I'll use Conga as an example. But the, I think there at one point there was, Salesforce had three different document generation offerings, and Conga solved things for customers in a unique way where there was more advanced capabilities or things that worked really well. And so what I learned from Conga was, you know, don't be afraid to talk to Salesforce and learn what they're doing and figure out a, a beneficial path for both companies because there will certainly be room for Salesforce to use, Salesforce customers to use Salesforce offerings, but there's always going to be stuff that they can't or won't do. And figuring out where your white space is, so to speak, super important and communicating that back to Salesforce and say, look, we're going to, we're going to carve off this part of this, this, this offering. And if you see stuff like this, we're happy to help, but we're not going to step on your toes on this. I think making that super clear and, and being upfront with them and, and kind of sharing what you're up to will not hurt you. I, I guess I'll say that. Nice. That's great advice. Thank you for sharing that. And as you've been building, what's been what's been a mistake you've made? I make a lot of mistakes, um, <laughs> but um, I, I always feel like if I make a mistake and don't learn from it, then that's the real mistake. So most recently, we had a, a website that we kind of hobbled together and had some stuff that we liked about it, but it wasn't something we put a lot of focus and attention on. And I, I really dragged my feet um, kind of revamping it and 
we relaunched it just last month, retooled it, and it's a breath of fresh air. I, I waited way too long for that. And I think those little things make a big difference for customers. Seeing your pres- overall presentation layer publicly is, is a huge factor. And I, I think I waited too long. So that, that was a mistake. I, I always say Salesforce is a product marketing company that happens to sell software. And, <laughs> uh, if, if, if we're in the ecosystem, we're, we're, we should take, learn from them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I guess any sort of, because I've worked with founders who have, have put off revving up their website, any specific KPI improvements that you could point to to give uh, somebody a kick in the butt that they need this morning? Yeah, I would say, let's see, I, I don't have the... the actual number, but I think lead conversion or sorry, install conversion went up like 200%. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Love> it. <laughs> so that, that's off the cuff. I'm pretty sure that's the, what, what happened there. So anyways, <laughs> yeah, don't wait Solid. too long. We use, we use Webflow, by the way. Webflow is uh, miraculous. It's a wonderful tool. Nice. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And I, I, you mentioned some metrics around leads. I'm, I'm curious for you, what's been your best performing lead source at Central? Yeah. So, so if we look at website Slack app directory, which is the equivalent to the Salesforce app exchange, if I look at those three sources, Slack app directory is by far number one, almost 10x the other two, which was a huge surprise for us. And we were kind of used to app exchange and website, but Slack is just a massive driver of business for us. Nice. And I mean, let's go into it because one of the things I'd love for you to share with other ISPs is just everything about Slack because you think about it, I think, way more than the average ISP. And so I think like my point of view on it is it's interesting. Me uh, thinking through from an ISP's perspective, I just wonder like, how to get started and like how I should think about it. So I, I guess what should other ISVs be thinking about in regards to Slack? Yeah, so we've had interest from ISV partners coming to us and saying, is there an OEM play here? Can we get our app into the Slack app directory? Like, can we have exposure into Slack? And at first, um, we, we were a little reluctant to that just because it was another avenue of business that we weren't sure would bear fruit. And after some time and spending some time with ISV partners, and we realized that um, we could be a lot of help there. And, and we've actually just launched last week a partnership with a prolific crush. So they've launched a tool called Slack for Crush, uh, powered by Centro. And their point of view on it is we don't want to wait. We don't want to wait for us to build it. We don't want to wait for... Salesforce to have something out in the market in, in GA, we, we know we our customers will benefit immediately from this integration. So it's a, an account planning tool. And the way that prolific folks think about it is we're taking account planning to account execution by involving the entire organization in Slack. So, you know, this is a this is an OEM type of agreement for us. And, you know, um, happy to bring that kind of energy to other ISV partners. So in general, you think about why Salesforce bought Slack, and my point of view is it captures the entire organization. There's not a single person in an, in an org that typically doesn't have a Slack seat. You need everyone on it. And so while Salesforce has been historically focused on sales teams, service teams, marketing teams, now you're incorporating everybody, product, back office, engineering, et cetera. And there's a lot of levers that can be pulled now that everyone is on the same page and working together. So I think ISVs should be thinking about how do they how do they tell that story where 
now that they can capture more of the organization with their tool than they had ever had the chance to before because of the um, restriction of a Salesforce seat. So now, now that we're bringing Salesforce to Slack, there's a lot of opportunities there for ISV partners. Interesting. That last piece is uh, interesting because that can actually be a cost savings mechanism as well, limiting the number of uh, users that would need it in order to interact with your app. But yeah, it's interesting. And I know you have a product management background. So just to double click on this a little bit, because Slack is such a flexible platform, like how should an I guess, how would you recommend an ISB who's thinking through their first use case on Slack? Because there's likely to be so many. Like, how do you start that journey? Sure. So you really need to think through, okay, what what are the people using my app for today? And what are the gaps for bringing more people to that conversation? Because there will always be voices that need to be heard through the course of that. And I'll give you an example. Let's say for a deal progression, you're working on a quote and you know that maybe there, there's some quote terms in there that are applicable to departments that may have historically not been involved in that part of the process, at least formally within Salesforce. And what I mean specifically is like, let's say there's an SLA redline and you need engineering's input, customer support's input that would have been maybe tricky to chatter them before or send an email and hope for a response. Whereas now you can put them into the fold, give them the information they need right at their fingertips within Slack. They can review it and have that conversation and dialogue instantaneously and help speed up that part of the cycle. So I truly believe most businesses need to have that all-encompassing look and outlook so in order to be successful. And so I, I can't think of a good argument where you wouldn't want to involve more people where applicable with your product offering. That's excellent. Thank you for that. And uh, partnering with Salesforce AEs and SEs, you mentioned Chatter. Chatter, uh, I don't know where it's at right now, but <laughs> I know I know where uh, communication with AEs and SEs uh-huh. are going, and it's certainly going towards Slack. So yeah. uh, for the ISPs that are looking to, to communicate with their key partners, what are some best practices to collaborate? Absolutely. So it's a bit Wild West right now, to be completely honest. And there's a nuance to Slack Connect you got to realize is that someone has to initiate the Slack Connect request and admins on both sides must approve the the request. So um, if you're engaged with the Salesforce, PAM or AE, for example, you know, you can send them the Slack request, the Slack Connect request, but they may or may not have the ability to approve it. So I, I think they're still kind of working through how that process should work. Now, what we've, what we've seen in the field and recommend is actually having someone on the Salesforce side initiate the Slack Connect request because they're more likely to say, you know, the admin's more likely to approve that because, you know, they're trying to establish that connection rather than you. Um, so they can kind of push their admins along. Now, so I would probably recommend talking to them and saying, hey, let's connect on Slack. Can you send me a request? Here's my email. And they should know how to go. Now, once they're in there, we have a couple external channels or Slack Connect channels with Salesforce and Slack. And, you know, the same behavior that you should do, that, that you experienced in Chatter applies here too. Like, to, you know, don't over inundate them. Be helpful. Take things to a DM where, where applicable, right? So you might need to peel off from the main conversation. And, you know, conduct yourself with professionalism. Just because you have the ability for them to react super quickly doesn't mean 
that you should just annoy them, right? So yeah, that's kind of some best practices that I've seen. And you know, we've been improving that process as well. We worked with a Salesforce SE. I don't know if I can name his name, but super wonderful guy. I think you know him too, Mike. And he offered some suggestions for our product to help with that initiative. And we've done that. And so we call it like central hub, meaning as each Slack AE or SE joins our channel, they'll get uh, what's called an ephemeral message in Slack meaning it welcomes them to just them so they don't interrupt the conversation. They'll have some tools and guides and documentation driven to them from Slack that is based off of our Salesforce instance. So we have dynamic content to serve up. And then they can take actions like log a case, register a deal, log a feature request, that sort of thing. So we're early stages in that, but having a lot of fun showing off some capabilities there and and really improving and streaming that conversation. Oh, that's cool. I remember that. I'm glad to hear you actioned it. And I need <laughs> yeah. to get a demo here shortly. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's really uh, interesting. Well, cool. If an ISB wanted to explore a Slack integration, where should they go? Where should they start? Yeah. So so there's three paths um, that we've seen. And the first is to write your own. So you got to go learn the Slack API, add it as a development cycle, put it in your roadmap, have resources dedicated to it to create a homegrown sort of integration directly using the Slack API and the Salesforce API. You know, we built our business around that. It's nuanced, just like anything else, but that is absolutely a path. It just takes engineering resources to do. The second path is Salesforce, you know, I'd be remiss to not talk about it, but Salesforce is um, going to eventually release something called Salesforce Foyer, which will allow Salesforce developers to write in Apex integrations to Slack. So that will speed that development cycle up. However, it still will be a development cycle. You have to spend time thinking through how you want that integration to work and feel and look. And I don't know on the GA date for that. I think I've heard fall or spring, but it is exciting. I think it is good for them to take that low building block path, but it will be a developer cycle to go through. Or you can chat with us. So like I said, we were initially reluctant to support ISVs, but now that we've engaged with Prolific Crush and have been um, talking to other ISV partners, we're willing to help. So if you want to chat with us, we have a few more slots open to chat and you, you know we can bring a declarative, no code approach and have your app up and running in a matter of days rather than months or, or years. So. I think that's completely fair. And I mean, just to kind of close out, and and you are the Slack and Salesforce guy, like, so I ask you everything I need to know. <laughs> but what else is worth mentioning about Slack? I think, you know, it's like, like I talked about with Slack Connect, it's a total game changer. I, I don't write emails anymore unless I have to. Uh, Mike, I think you connected with me on Slack about this podcast. So it's totally changing the world. It's early on, but I can foresee almost every company utilizing Slack as their main communication method. And Salesforce is going to push hard on that, which I think is fantastic. It's a wonderful experience. I recommend it to anyone who is getting started with it. It's a total game changer for a business. And a big reason why we started Centro, we wanted to help people experience the structured nature of Salesforce, but have it available at your fingertips, but also keep it organized because Slack can get a little chaotic is not the right word, but like there can be a lot going on, but we think it's a natural place to have uh, Slack organized within Salesforce. So Big reason we started. And if you could uh, wave a magic wand and change one thing about the ecosystem, what would it be? I want to say I get two since I'm on two platforms. I'll be brief. The Slack app install process seems to have gotten more cumbersome and more tricky for customers. We we see 
um, customers complaining about that directly. So I wish that the install process was a little smoother on the Salesforce. And then on the Slack side, they're making they're putting obvious work into Slack Connect by have seen customers um, trying to figure it out and getting stuck. So I, I believe they're iterating on it, but that Slack Connect is way too powerful to miss out on. So I'm hoping that they'll continue to get that process smoother and smoother. But once you're connected, it's total game changer. So. Oh, I forgot to ask, is there a like a specific Salesforce PAM team or Slack partner account manager team or Slack specific technical evangelists? Do you know? You mean on the Slack side or the Salesforce side? On the on the Slack side, like yeah, is there like a parallel partner team or is, is it getting blended? Good, okay, good question. They are still formalizing that. They do have a partner account team, but it is still I think it will be independent from Salesforce, but I, it's still being worked out. So don't expect a Slack PM right away if you do make that leap. But I believe they, they do have partner account managers, but it's a little different than Salesforce. Okay, cool. Thank you. Well, Ryan, awesome. We're going to wrap up with the final three. Three questions, 10 second answers. You ready to go? Yep. Who is one company or person in the ecosystem that you track or follow? Yeah, so you got to check out Mike Dortberg and, and Brett Steinman at Slalom. They've developed a Slack practice and Salesforce practice that's been amazing to watch evolve. Nice. And what would you tell yourself day one of working in the ecosystem? Mm, be patient. Brands, concepts, products take a long time to develop as a startup, especially in this ecosystem with it being so crowded. So you got to just be patient. And lastly, what gives you energy in your personal life? Well, my wife and kids foremost, absolutely making a life good good for all of us. And then uh, from the business side, I love to see customers light up um, with excitement and delight when they see our product for the first time in a demo. So love seeing them try to uh, turn the gears on what they can build. Awesome. Well, Ryan, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining, sharing your journey, but uh, specifically sharing some ideas of where to get started with this like new frontier with Slack and Salesforce. Thank you. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something from today's episode of How We Got There. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. I'll see you here next time.